0: up everybody thank you for tuning into soul cypher your go-to podcast delving into the mind body soul and spirit all right of your favorite hip-hop and r&b tracks artists and albums i'm tatiana hernandez mitchell a television radio and film graduate student concentrating in audio and sound production but of course that's not the only thing that makes up me <laughs> so I'm an avid 90s to early 2000s hip-hop and R&B fan and super spiritual shorty. So anything from meditation and crystals to holistic healing to integrative health, all of that, I'm here for it. (laughs) Um, So given my interests, um, that all really birthed this baby right here, Cipher. So without further ado, we're just going to get right into it. On today's episode, the first episode of Soul Cipher, we're gonna take a trip to Fuji Land. Alright, so if you clicked on this podcast, I'm assuming that you know who the Fuji's are, but if not, I'll give you a quick rundown and maybe put you into something you didn't know. So the Fujis were a black hip-hop trio comprised of the big three: Lauren Hill, White Clive Jean, and Prosma Show. They dominated the 90s music scene with their hip-hop, soul, and reggae in a mixture with something real, different, real, small, real. Ooh, I can't even, like, put a word on it. Anyways, okay. The Fugees. They got their origins in Jersey. You already know. If you know me, that's where I'm from. So I'm going to rep it hard. I don't care what anybody says. They always clown in Jersey. But look who came out of there the Fuji's, all right? And they were active from 92 to 97. And they ended up coming back together in 2004 to 2006. Brief reunion. You know what I'm saying? So if none of this is ringing a bell, all right? You'll know the Fuji's by their first hip-hop LP, Blunted on Reality, that released in 94. Or, most notably, the score released in... February of 96. Now the score had singles like Killing Me Softly, "Fuji La," and Ready or Not that achieved notable chart success. And we're going to get into one of those today. All right, so this track that we're about to dive into, and probably Killing Me Softly too, um, is one of my favorites. All right, we have Ready or Not. And this one's probably one of your favorites too. Is super popular, um, and is really representative of the Fugees and and kind of like what their style is, what they bring to the table. Ready or not is a confrontation track, all right. Specifically targeting the Fugees' musical peers and rivals, aka gangster rappers. Right, these folks that are portraying themselves as what they're not. This super hard, tough, hyper masculine, um, I guess caricature, because it ain't real. Um, of what this stereotype, uh, really aligns with. And I think that the way Wyclef, Lauren and Praz fuse their lyrics together to kind of like respectfully, but also like clap at you and, and come at you, um, they shine light on this hardcore exterior that, like I said, the rap rivals really don't have. It's all a facade. Uh, they mix in some historical references, they got smooth lyrics, sharp intros, um, and they also pay an homage, specifically Praz and Wyclef, to their Haitian ancestry, uh, but more so Praz because you hear that in the last verse, but we're going to get into all that. All right, so to hit you with some track stats, Ready or Not hit number one in the UK and continue to do well across the seas, more so than it did domestically, but that's not to say that it didn't you know, hit what it had to hit here in the States. Ready or Not wasn't released as a single in the U.S. to ensure that the album sales will skyrocket, right? This was a tactic. According to Billboard.com, the track was on the charts for 10 weeks straight and it peaked at number 33 on May 18th, 1996. So if you're listening to the song and you're wondering, man, this sounds mad familiar. Like, where'd they get the B from? All right, so they sampled Enya's Bodicea, and the Delphonics, Ready or Not, Here I Come, Can't Hide From Love. Um, and what's interesting about this is just the backstory or the history behind sampling Enya's track. So they actually ended up sampling the song without Enya's permission. Um, and it's because they were young, you know, they didn't really know copyright, you know, laws and, and what the repercussions of that could be. But she ended up hearing this song and... And dropping any lawsuits, any charges, any anything, because she realized that the music was not just this mainstream rap. It was a different sound. It was actually spitting substance. And she was like, I could get with that. So she let it slide. From a fan standpoint, right? Like, there's only so much that you see through the media, through the music, through the radio, whatever. And you don't really get to peer into the everyday dealings of having to be in one such a high-caliber hip-hop group, but just the group in general, right? Like, we have three folks who have different personalities, you know, that, you know, is known to have clashed. Like, tensions were high within the group when Ready or Not was being recorded, right? Like, for Lauren herself, I know on The Hook, there was multiple instances where she had to record leave um come back and record but it just didn't end up hitting the same like these folks are actual humans right like let's cement that for a second and they have their own experiences they have their own vulnerabilities they have their own traumas they have their own you know livelihoods that end up coming out in these dynamics and that shows in the music so i love that about This song, like the history behind it with the group tension specifically, like it's admirable, right? We have someone who's vulnerable and it's authentically raw. It's authentically perfect because it allows us as a listener to peek in to this spiritual realm. All right, everyone, I want to give a quick shout out. First things first, I'm so thankful that my podcast, Soul Cypher, is now able to stream um, across an array of platforms, but specifically on Spotify. If you know me, you know I'm an avid Spotify user, like Spotify over Apple Music any day. Um, <laughs> but if you haven't tried listening there yet, it's free to download and you can use Spotify on any device. Spotify is a super convenient app and a great listening experience. You can go right from a tribe called Quest to Wu Tang to anything. Anything you want is on Spotify and switch right over to Soul Cypher on the same app. you know I have a little a little playlist for my hip-hop tracks and then I have another one for my podcast and I can go between any of them anytime I want to just search for Soul Cipher on the Spotify app and start listening for free all right y'all so what better way to delve into the world of the Fuji's than to get a little chit chat a little interview with the creative himself so let's just get right into it Alright, everyone. So today we have with us a very special guest, uh, Victor Dandridge, writer, publisher, graphic designer, educator, and co-host of Hall of, of the Hall of Justice podcast. Now, Victor does a lot of amazing things. Um, and he's also the founder of a creator-owned imprint, Vantage In-house production. So Welcome, Victor. Grateful to have you here.
1: Glad to be here. Thank you.
0: Amazing, amazing. So, just before we start off, um, I just want to ask a little bit about your history, where you're from, just a little background to get the folks acquainted. Sure.
1: So, I'm born and raised in Columbus, Ohio, and mm-hmm. um, I'm a I'm a huge fan of pop culture, including music. Um, so this is this is definitely right up my alley. But um my Creative choice um, is always comic books. I'm a huge comic book fan. Um, that's my what my main focus is through my imprint is uh, publication of self-published comics, uh, but I'm also a you know celebrity moderator on the Comic-Con market. So anytime that you are a part of comics, um, it kind of creates this vast understanding of all the things that are comics, and, and I'm that guy. Um, I actually call myself the hardest working man in comics because I'm very humble and don't like to brag at all.
0: i love that um yeah i actually checked out your your website and i saw the comics i was like first of all my brother would love these um (laughs) but it's amazing to see your take on just that creative realm and world and how to really make it your own so i love to hear that um so from your beginnings in columbus ohio would you talk a little bit about like the music scene where you're from and kind of how that's Shaped your upbringing, or like your parents' lives, or anything like that.
1: Of course. Um, so my mom is a gospel singer. She um, has been playing piano specifically since she was about three years old. So I grew up with um, you know gospel music being a very heavy you know portion of my life, but also uh, an appreciation of classic soul R and B you know music from you know, the, the 50s, 60s, 70s, um, into the 80s. So music is, is everything. Like literally you want me to clean something, throw in some old school jams and I'll clean it all. Like it's, it's one of those weird things where, you know, music, you know, it just kind of opens me up, but I was, I was very eclectic musically. So, I mean, I was born in 82. So you're talking, um, kind of like the, the real birth, um, I mean, I know like hip hop gets its roots in like the late 70s, but like there was a, a huge uptick in hip hop in the 80s and then pop music and, and rock music, you know, hair bands like I grew up with all of it. And so I have like a huge appreciation for virtually every kind of music there is like even country music, classical music. I have favorites mm-hmm. of, of all of them. So music is a huge Huge piece of of my upbringing, um, and I can't. It's kind of weird. Like there are some very talented musicians, rappers, singers um, across the board in in Columbus, but I can't say that there's a lot of them that I could readily name. Um, mm-hmm. Like I gotta I gotta give a shout out to my man uh, Jake Carey. Um, he he he's changed his rap moniker a couple times. So it's hard for me to know exactly (laughs) which one he's using right now. Um, But he's probably the most prolific um, rapper that I know of musically in in Columbus. Um, But there's, I mean, you know, there's, there's like this undercurrent of culture. So I know that there are a ton of people, uh, Camille soul. She's a singer that I went to middle school with. Um, She's fantastic. Um, So yeah, there's like a lot of, there's a lot of music culture. But I'm not necessarily a part of it to know it, yeah. you know, by name like that.
0: Yeah. And I think it's it's definitely interesting to hear how it's shaped just the world around you. And though you're not specifically in that realm, like you're still like flowing through it. And and that's and that's oh, yes. really uh, what I love about the power of music. Um, and that kind of well, you kind of touched on my next question, so we'll skip that one. But um in terms of this specific episode, so we're talking about the Fugees, Ready or mm. Not, um, is the song that we're focusing on. And with that, what is your earliest recollection slash memory of the Fugees? Mm. Like, how'd you get introduced to them? Uh, kind of like in your realm.
1: So funny enough, um, you know, as a, as a kid that grew up, um, you know, in the church, I can tell you that one of the things that is a a constant of kids that grew up in church is listening to music that their parents wouldn't approve of. And that's, (laughs) that's definitely how the Fugees uh, were were introduced to me. The, the sons of the pastor of the church I grew up with, um, they were the ones that introduced me to the Fugees. And, Um, the oldest son, I think he's like six or seven years older than I am. Um, and then there's a middle son that's like five years, five or four years older than me. And then their youngest son, I was best friends with. So, um, you know, us kind of coming of age, you know, we had these big brothers to look up to and they were, they kind of had their finger on the pulse when it came to hip hop culture and music. So the Fujis they first brought to my attention, um, oh my gosh, it had to be, it had to be Fuji law. Um, so obviously on the same album, The Score. Mm-hmm. And when, when you know, we get that song, you know, we love this song. And so we're like, okay, let's hear the whole album. And that would have been the first time that I, that I heard this one. Uh, what is it, like the third track on this album, yeah. I think? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like, you know, we're getting started. You know, how many mics was like, that was like the one where we're like, oh, snap, this album's sweet. Like, you know, because it was like... <laughs> We heard Fuji La and We're like, yeah, that song is amazing. This is dope. And then, you know, when we started over, and we get to how many mics. We're like, yo, they are, there are some MCs here. And then we get to <laughs> this very moody, slow groove that is Ready or Not. Um, that really kind of like, it, it's kind of funny. Like we we sat back and we got very, you know, existential for for non-smokers. Really, <laughs> like we were sitting there like you know, what does this mean? Like, ready or <laughs> not? I don't know. Are, you, re- like, yeah. <laughs> Are you ready? <laughs> Are you ready? Or, you know, cause here they come, they're going to find you. You know what I'm saying? Like we were, yeah, it was, it was, it was funny. I mean, I was probably, gosh, I had to be like 12 or 13 at the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I loosely knew who Lauren Hill was visually. Obviously I had seen, you know, Sister Act 2, um, mm-hmm. We're not even going to get into the fact that yes, my church absolutely performed uh, uh, songs from Sister Act, so <laughs> I knew who she was. But to to see her in this capacity was was more authentic. It was it was more right. real. So right. yeah, I, yeah, I had to be about twelve or thirteen, um, and and it all spark- it started because Fuji Law. We loved the video for Fuji Law. I remember seeing that on BET mm-hmm. for the first time, and then. Um, Ernie, he's the one that got the the tape because we couldn't afford CDs back then. Um, <laughs> he got the tape and, you know, he I mean, he found, he fast forwarded to Fuji Live. We're in his car. He could drive at the time. So we're bumping in. We're like, yeah, that's hot. That's hot. He's like, OK, well, let's listen to the album. And we're like, yeah. And that's when I first heard Ready or Not. Uh,
0: I love that story. I think it it touches on so many important things that i touch upon when i talk about this track and even the album in general and i think um what was really important that i heard was that you talk about this authenticity and kind of like this peering in of a new side of the fujis as like a dynamic Mm -hmm. and so i was wondering what do you think then Given groups like this at the time, like was another group that kind of emulated this true, authentic, but like purposeful and meaningful message behind what they're putting forth musically.
1: Wow, that's a that's a hefty question because right. I, I'm, I'm like, I mean, because almost anybody would say that 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 they were doing that. But mm-hmm. it's it's all about the presentation. Mm-hmm. Therein, so like I, I mean, obviously Fuji's probably rings a little closer to more conscientious rap. So people right. would probably say like Tribe Call Quest or or mm-hmm. um, you know, um, oh man, leaders of the new school. Like they would probably mm-hmm. say something like that. Yeah. But in all actuality, what I would kind of like liken them more to is the Wu Tang Clan because yes. you know, like there's this there's this hidden bit of family but then there's also a strange sort of dramatic dynamic underneath everything of how they all got together yeah and you know the 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 music that they were doing was not it wasn't normal hip-hop you know mm-hmm. it wasn't it wasn't your they didn't talk about the same things that like mm-hmm. they they talked about stuff that that definitely made you think mm-hmm. and made you appreciate what the Artist was talking about, not just, you know, look at me shine, look at me floss, I'm getting money. They right. talked about <laughs> random things that all were real, all were true. And that's why they talked about it.
0: Right. And, and I love that you bring that Wu-Tang piece into it because my father's like a super Wu-Tang head. <laughs> um, and yes! he's always talking yes! to me <laughs> about like, listen, this Wu-Tang, this is this album. da da Um, <laughs> and, and
1: listen, this... your father and I are best friends now. Like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You guys know your stuff, you know, your, your musical face is really cool. And I think that, um, seeing these sorts of like musical pillars because to me that's how I, I look at them as they they put a lot of structure and foundation into the industry um I guess specifically from a conscious rap angle but
1: mm-hmm.
0: I'm wondering then you know since we're talking about uh the impact that the fujis had and also spirituality and hip-hop and RB do you think that even without this lens on specifically conscious rap can there still be this, purposeful and meaningful i guess discussion that the music can have
1: um absolutely i mean because and and when i say conscious rap like it's it was something that was prevalent in the way that they looked Mm -hmm. um they didn't necessarily they didn't like the lyrics weren't necessarily about blackness but the songs Mm -hmm. always were which Mm -hmm. was always the thing that that made it so so beautiful it wasn't about being you know woke or seeing the world with right. the, with your third eye or seeing right. the, but they still you know what i mean like they still talked like using i mean this whole uh, the score like it was funny too because when you when you hit me up about this one i was like man, i haven't listened to the score in a minute and i listened to it <laughs> and i'm like man like i'm i'm 14 years old all over again yeah um feeling feeling a certain kind of way but you know um the, the different songs um, all kind of resonate with this sense of, of thought. Like, again, it's not about any one particular social idea or, or mindset, but it's, it's just a lot of, Hey, what ifs, you know um, Mm -hmm. what if this, what if that, you know, the beast, um, you know, talking about police brutality in that way, like Mm -hmm. brilliant, but again, it wasn't, it, it was, I mean, I guess that is probably the most, conscious rap woke song on that album. Right. Um, right. but, but at the same time, like that wasn't, that wasn't all. And then mm-hmm. it slides right into, you know, the, one of the craziest skits of all time with the, uh, what is it? The, uh, Muslim Chinese shop. Like that's, yes. you know, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So yeah, no, I think that there's, there's a definite spiritual vibe throughout the entire album. Yeah. Um, you know, if you get into, you know, no woman, no cry, um, yeah. The whole, the whole thing is very spiritual.
0: Absolutely. And, and I think, um, even before like me being into spirituality, like I am now and just like this healing journey that I'm on, um, just listening to this, um, from the influences of my parents, right. Cause this mm-hmm. is really where I got my background, um, from and, and why I'm so connected to hip hop and R&B. Uh, I think it's, it's kind of in a way, without them even realizing, they were kind of teaching me through the music as well. Like to me yes. being on this path now. And you don't really think about it because you you know, you're bopping, your gym, you're like, all right, Fujila is on right now, we're going off, right. we're, <laughs> you know, ready or not song, we're singing, okay, killing me selfie, a little bit of tears. But right. <laughs> um, I think that more the more that we can connect. I think with the plethora of music that not only speak to us in this way, but kind of get ourselves to think a little bit free form is, is really what, in my opinion, like the power of music does. I mean, what do you think? What do you think on that? What's your take? That's on all that? facts.
1: I mean, that's, that's going back to Stevie. I mean, Stevie right. talks about how music is a language within itself. It's a language that we all understand. Like those are, mm-hmm. that's classic mm-hmm. Stevie wonder. <laughs> And so, like when you when you have songs that are um, rooted in a time, maybe in a style, but speak universally, in spite of that, that's the that's the magic that that you know music absolutely has. Like you you could probably throw on literally songs like "Ready or Not," and there's going to be a recognition either of the song itself or songs that have mm-hmm. sampled. The music, and consequently, you know, there's still a, a generational resonance to it, where you're familiar in some way, shape, or form. Like, I mean, Diddy sampled from this song for, um, yeah. uh, oh god, I can't think of that guy's name. Um, dang, it, what is that song? I already know. Ah, um, I can't think of that song, but me neither. I'm blanking. Right? But it, you know, but it, that's the, again, that's the thing. Like, that's almost. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's quite 10 years, but that's almost a 10-year jump of right. that song. And it's not even the original use of that song. Like, right. you know, Ready or Not is, it's sampling. And mm-hmm. and that's, again, so you're looking at crossing cultures. Like, if you like Ready or Not, you could be a, a music fan and go, well, what's the sample that this comes from? And then you get introduced mm-hmm. to a whole nother genre of music because it's not an rb song it's not a hip-hop song in fact i want to say it's a like a a goth not goth but like a it's more like an alternative
0: song like
1: they're kind of humming or chanting or something Mm -hmm.
0: like that yeah and and that's really interesting you bring that up because i was getting into the um sampling like not really dilemma but this this sampling world that they got into when they were making this song right. and there's Enya's track which is the humming like yes, there we go and then um the delphonics in there which is really what the chorus is from
1: mm-hmm.
0: and um for me it just opened a whole different world because i'm like oh okay so they're pulling from irish music over here they're pulling from some like soul some funk they're pulling they're pulling from all types Everywhere. of angles and i think that um it's one of the best ways to make music um and 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 that just really resonates. Um,
1: Absolutely.
0: And another question I had was given I guess the climate today, you know, socially mm-hmm. um and just in general, you know, we have COVID, we have um this civil unrest that's going on, we have right. a transition of office, like so many things. How do you think music like this can either put upon more stress on a listener? Because, you know, we're talking about a lot of real things. Right. Or should we kind of, I don't know, give it some break, like give a break a little bit. Maybe focus on <clears throat> less pressing or less serious things, and especially now during this time for artists?
1: Um, I, I think it's a mixed bag. I don't think that there's a monolithic opinion. I mm-hmm. think there will be some people that want to do things that are more fun and just mm-hmm. to get you through, and then there's some people that have something to say. And that's right. and just as viable. Um, I think right now, what's really necessary is to really understand what the intent of some of the musicians um, that we've been listening to, what they're actually saying. You know, one of the things like not to get into, you know, super politics of it all, but I found it very ironic to see people um, that align themselves with a far conservative right Mm -hmm. dancing around to Rage Against the Machines, not recognizing (laughs) that everything that they're talking about in the songs Mm -hmm. is such a political leftist, Mm -hmm. you know, idea. But you guys don't don't see it like that's so. like, how do y'all miss that? But um (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like it's like, yes. are you listening to the same lyrics I'm listening to? You know, <laughs> or or not? <laughs> or, or, yeah, like uh, you you do know what he's talking about, you right? So I think that's <laughs> I think that's something that needs to happen more, where we're really appreciating the time and effort of of what the the artist had to say, what it is that they're trying to say, and really look at what that means to us as individuals. And then mm-hmm. you know, there are times when you know, obviously like I said, I grew up in an era, 90s hip hop is wrought with lots of, you know, homophobia, transphobia, mm-hmm. uh, misogyny. Mm-hmm. There are things that, yes, I recognize that I love this song, but not necessarily the message that the song seems right. to convey, you know, right. and that that's nuance, that's maturity. So I think that's also important to be able to articulate that. So even if I'm bopping to, you know, an old school cut of mine that I know is demeaning on some level. And if somebody, you know, comes to check me on it, I'm like, look, you're absolutely right. Right. This just like musically, it speaks to something else for me. You know, I can totally understand that and I'll try not to bump it too loud in your presence, but this speaks to me in this level, though. I understand it also speaks to you on that level and finding that common ground. I think that's, that's important.
0: Definitely, definitely, and I think it's it's important to address that duality, right? Because especially one of the the things I've come across while on my spiritual journey is just being comfortable and accepting the facts that are present, right? This kind of contradiction right. within humans and just duality as its own, and and being mm-hmm. accepting of that, and also being checked on, and also confronting others about it, because it's it's normal. It's what we all do, and especially when listening to music, and I think. Sometimes it can fall into some weird categories where people, we just say, all right, I'm only listening to conscious stuff and, and that's it. But it's also like, damn, so your mood's just going to be like on the ground right. all the time. Or super, like...
1: super judgmental on all levels for other people.
0: <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and I think that it's important to really allow yourself that freedom that comes along with not only creating music but listening to music because this mm-hmm. is what connects us all so i'm definitely definitely so grateful to have had you here on my podcast segment um thank you so much for tuning in all right, y'all, so if you like my show so far, you're going to love all the shows on the Collider Network on Podcast One. The YouTube channel turned podcast super network has got everything for your pop culture needs, all right? Check out Collider Sports, Jedi Council, One-on-One with Christian Harloff, Movie Trivia, schmodown Movie Talk, and so much more. Check out the Collider Network every week on Podcast One or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. <laughs> All right, y'all, so we have come to the point in the podcast, personally, my favorite part, all right, where I give you my spiritual insight, and this is all from my own observations, critical analysis, research, and lived experiences that I tie into there. Um, I don't claim to be all-knowing. I don't claim (laughs) none of that, okay? Okay. I do have some wisdom on me, though, and that's just where I pull my analysis from. So first things first, what I'm going to need you have to do, pause the podcast if you need to, but come right back, <laughs> is watch the music video to this song in addition to listening on the track on its own as many times as you want, but pull up the lyrics as well. And this is just going to further point out the following three observations that highlight this trilogy of mind, body, spirit, and what that means in a popular culture pedagogy. All right, y'all. So number one of the breakdown, we have lyrical offering. And this is a term I just made up on the dome. But what I mean by this is if we break up the term, one, lyrical, the idea of using our words in a musical art form, two, offering, to give to another power. I personally put it as giving to a higher power. And the reason I say this is because I believe, um, that once you pass on or pass over, there's different dimensions and there's just different realms. All right. There's a spiritual realm. There's a physical realm, all types. And personally, I feel like there is a higher power associated with the spiritual realms because they have the ability to do some things, um, that we just can't do, um, and vice versa. But I look at this in a grander, higher power type of situation. And so with that, We have the idea of using our words in an art form, giving to a higher power, lyrical offering. And so think of the power of our words, how we can put forward so much knowledge, connection, insight, inspiration with that of which we speak. And that being said, in the first verse, Wyclef says, I kick a rhyme, drinking moonshine, I pour a sip on a concrete for the deceased. And these lyrics remind me of like a metaphor for an ancestral altar and Clef talks about him drinking the moonshine, him using the gifts from the universe, i.e. his flow, his musical abilities, his vocals, and offering it to those who have passed. Now, there are plenty of examples throughout the song that I'd constitute a lyrical offering, you know, uh, something that shows respect to an entity or persons before us that allowed us to be in the standings that we are now. So lyrical offering number two for the breakdown we have the power of manifestation all right and i think lauren paints this beautifully in um her verse she has a couple lines and i'm gonna repeat them for y'all quote i play my enemies like a game of chess where i rest no stress if you don't smoke cess less i must confess my destiny's manifest First things first, when we're talking about manifestation in a spiritual sense, it means that you're feeding energy, whether it be through thoughts, speech, creative works, rituals, anything that you can come up with and formulate um, that you are pushing to become part of your physical reality now i will point out though that manifestation isn't just a one-sided deal all right let me just put all my energy into thinking this thing and and then it's just gonna happen no like you have to put in the work as well for it to become and come into fruition the thing that you're desiring and so to me at least lauren is pointing out this idea of playing a game of chess with her rivals i.e. the game of the mind, body, and spirit and how to align the three of them to level up and ascend, also meaning winning the game. But it seems as though she's manifesting more than just her ascension of, of her mind, body, and spirit. All right, we have this line here where she says, no stress if you don't smoke cess, weed less. To me, she's saying, this isn't a problem if you're not smoking, but I'm going to be smoking and I'm chilling. <laughs> and with that in mind, like spiritually, in terms of like divination work and healing work and, and things like that, I know that some folks typically tend to smoke sativa strains in order to unlock and attune to certain ha- uh, levels of higher consciousness or different consciousness levels. Um, And that also aids in aligning with the higher self, aligning with larger powers than we even are aware of on this basic physical plane. And lastly, she says, I must confess, my destiny's manifest. Like, that's it. She's spoken to existence that she followed through and attained everything she needed to in this incarnation. Like, she's saying, on my mission on Earth, my destiny is aligned, is flowing easily, is coming through true and it's coming through to me and i think if that's not the most powerful spiritual um, subtly though <laughs> lyric in a fuji song like i don't know what is and last but not the very least we have knowing your roots now before i even get into the importance of this um on a song basis, just in your life in general, knowledge is power and especially the knowledge of self. Now, when you understand where you come from, especially me as a black Dominican woman, right? I make it a point to learn about my African-American paternal roots and my Dominican maternal roots in order to shape my spiritual practice. I, I think that's very important. And not just in terms of spirituality, but life. Like you need to know where you come from. There's power in that. There's weight to that. Proz really sets this up perfectly um, with just the first two lyrics of his verse, right? He says, ready or not, refugees taking over the Buffalo Soldier, Dreadlock Rasta. And with that... Oh, I'm getting like goosebumps. <laughs> and um, with that second line, it's lyrics from Bob Marley's Buffalo Soldier, right? And Buffalo Soldiers, if you don't know... Um, were the black soldiers from the Union Army during the Civil War, and um, they were dubbed Buffalo Soldiers from the indigenous folks that they ended up crossing paths with um, during that time. And Praz is saying that he resembles these folks, like he's embodying this energy of a Buffalo Soldier, Dreadlock Rasta, like his roots. Acknowledging your history is honoring and respecting your ancestors, and uh, and respecting where you came from, and. To put that in a song. First of all, that charted crazy. I told y'all about the charting and the stats and everything. Like this song, and specifically his verse, I would say constitutes this entire idea of knowing your roots. And so that's 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 a third one, y'all. Thank you all for tuning in to the first episode of Soul Cipher ready or not this one right here took so much sweat (laughs) and tears (laughs) and love um but i'm extremely thankful uh for our guest for the listeners um for the whole thing this this is an incredible experience so stay tuned for the next episode and stay blessed